This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. There you are. Got me? We got you. Okay. Thank you very much. Over to you, Rabbi Wallerstein. Over to you. How are you feeling? I'm fine. How are you feeling? Amazing. You're my third chair today. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So I guess we're going to... I don't have that much time today. It'll be about 40 minutes. But um, it's going to be a Pesach share. We're going to talk about Pesach because... Even if you're in England, it's still Pesach, right? Everywhere we are, it's going to be Pesach. So, what is going on? Um, what is going on with Pesach? Why Why can't you eat bread? Like, like it's not that bread's not kosher a whole year. You know, Shabbos, you have to wash three times on bread. A bris, bread. Pidyon Ben, bread. Marriage, Shabbat bread. So bread is not a bad thing. So why does why does a crumb or bread bother Hashem on Pesach? Like, what's the problem with bread? What's going on over there? So it's not the bread. It's not the bread. It's the representation of the bread, of what it stands for. Now, the way it's it's described in Kabbalah and in Svarim, it's called the Sa'ar. Shibisa, the sour dough, the sour part of the dough. I'll tell you girls a cute story. So <clears throat> I don't know if it's a minute in England, but it's definitely a minute here, and definitely by Chasidim that the Shabbos after the Shabbos after Pesach is called Schlisselchala where the woman who's baking the challah, she puts a, a key into the challah, and then you bake into the dough, and you bake it. And then on Shabbos, when you have the challah, you open it up, you take the key out. The key is usually wrapped in aluminum foil. It's called schlissel challah. And when you do that, it's a skula that, that Hashem is going to open all things in your life that are locked, Hashem's going to open them all up. Everybody, you know, so that's a, that's like a, a mini that Klai Israel has called Shushal Some people put their safe deposit box in. They want their box to fill it with money. Some people use the front door. They want to get a new house. I don't know if you could use car keys. It's probably Muxa. Get a new car. So they put some kind of key in there. My mother, she should be gesund and live long. I mean, um, Never baked challah. She didn't bake challah. We never. I never saw anyone in my house bake challah. My mother um, would buy. My father would buy the challah for Shabbos. So I never saw challah being made. When I got married, um, so we wanted the key for children and the key for panas and the key for everything. So my wife said, "Zechariah, go to the store and." Buy a ready-made frozen challah, it's like a little dough in a blue box called whatever it was canary kosher, and go buy um, two challahs, and then I'll put them in the oven and we'll put a key in it. Okay, 
So I go to Glot Mart, that's the uh, restaurant, the, the supermarket, and I go to the manager and I'm like, do you have any frozen dough for challah? Pre-made. He goes, yeah. We knew this week is Schlissel challah. We have a thousand boxes in the freezer. I'm like, okay. I go to the freezer, girls. Again, remember, I never saw challah being made. I go to the freezer and they have these little, about that big, blue boxes. Little blue boxes. Says on it, challah. Okay. Well, it's a teeny little box. It's only this big. I'm like, I don't want such a little challah. I want a big challah. That's like a Bilkeloff size. So I go back to the manager and I tell him, uh, excuse me, sir, but I don't want a teeny little challah. I want big challah. He goes, we don't sell teeny little challahs. I'm like, oh, the, the stuff in your freezer? Those are bilkeloff. Little chalos. He goes, oh, no, they're not. They're big chalos. I'm like, oh, no, they're not. They're teeny. He goes, let me go see. And he, he walks over there with me. And he takes out two boxes, right? Small boxes. He goes, what are you talking about? This is for your chalos. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's only this big. I want big chalos. He says, could you like look at the back of the box and uh, <coughs> read the um, instructions? So <coughs> I look at the back of the box. It says, take out the dough, thaw, put it out, cover it with a towel for three to four hours. All right. I'm still a Bilkala. I come home. I take out the two chalas from the boxes. I put them on a wax paper. I cover each one with a towel, and I go to work. I come back four hours later, and the little challah that I put on the table is now huge. I'm like, whoa, how did that happen? My wife's like, what do you mean? It's challah rises. You just... When it's frozen, it doesn't rise. When you take it out, the yeast is yeast inside and it makes the challah rise. I never saw that before, so I didn't know. The Sa'ar Shabi'isa, girls, is the sour dough that makes the dough rise. And that is considered, according to Kabbalah, the Satan. Because a Jew left alone not working on themselves like a matzah, you gotta mix the flour and the water, you gotta roll it, you gotta mix it, you gotta cut it, you gotta roll it again, you gotta make holes in it, and you gotta put it in the oven for 18 minutes, they're working and working and working and working and working. But if you just leave it alone, then it rises and rises and rises and rises and it does, it does its own thing. So the Chachamim say that a, a neshama left alone without doing any work. That's the Sa'ar Shabi'isa. That neshama is going to get into a lot of trouble. That's why, and we're going to see from the Kavayasha that when you clean, you should have in mind that you're cleaning out the chametz in your heart 
and in your souls. I would like to tell you a fascinating story. I have on Torah anytime right now. There is a share called um, Just One Look that was given on Sunday. Today I gave two shiurim about Pesach. But in all these shiurim, I saved this story. I didn't say it. I saved it for you guys. And it's recording, so I'm sure that um, Mr. Barry Lyon will put it, will give it to Torah anytime. Because this story I did not repeat. This story is just for my girls in England. The story goes like this. There was a king and a queen. And they were married for a very long time. And they had no children. And the people in the country were very sad because this king and queen was so good. So good to the people. But they had no children. And if they have no children, then after they die, someone else is going to take over. And who knows if they're going to be good or not. And then one day, after 15 years of marriage, the doctors tell the queen that the reason you're not feeling well is because you're expecting a child. What? Yeah. You're having a baby. And the news went out. I don't know if they had Yeshiva World or Vasa Nias or CNN or BBC. The news went out across the country that the queen is pregnant and expecting a child. And everybody was so happy because this child is going to take over one day for the king and queen. So they were very excited. And the baby was born. And by Yehudim, the whole country was lit up and parties and marching and bands and everybody was so happy. Except a group of pirates that didn't want anyone to take over for the king and queen. They wanted to take over and have a rebellion And this little boy now is the prince, and he's in the way. So they came up with a master plan that they're going to somehow get this kid. And they got someone on the inside of the palace to put poison in the baby's food. The Kachaya! Oh, I haven't said this story probably in 20 years. Wow. The Kachaya! They slipped this poison into the child's food and he became very, very, very sick with very high fever. Of course, the king and queen and the nurses and nobody knew that the child was poisoned. And they called all the doctors from the whole country to come. And they couldn't figure out. They, they realized, though, that the child was dying. He wasn't eating. And he was dying. He had high fever. And everybody was very broken because this was the only child the king and queen had. And they just couldn't help him. 
and the king was sitting in his room and he was sitting on his throne and he was he was very broken and a man walked in and said king i know you've tried every doctor and every medicine to save your child but there is a man an old hermit hermit means they live by themselves who lives in the forest by himself they call him the medicine man. Maybe if we get him, he could save the prince. And the king said, do you know where he lives? And he said, yes. He said, well, like, get on your horse and get into that forest and bring him here. I don't care if you have to force him. Bring some soldiers, bring him here. So the man goes into the forest. He knows where the old medicine man lives and knocks on the door. This old, broken, grizzly man comes to the door. How can I help you? What do you want? And they're like, the prince is very sick. Why do I care about the prince? Well, the, the king of the land, he's very special with the princess, with his queen, and, and they're such good people. And now, if this child dies, no one's going to be able to follow up, and there's going to be a new king and queen, and who knows what they're going to do to everybody. Please, please, we heard that you do miracles. Could you save the child? How old's the child? A few weeks. All right, I'll try to save the child. Let me get my coat and my medicine bag. So he puts on his old ripped coat. Got long hair. Not shaven. He gets on his horse and he comes to the castle. And all the doctors are like, what's this weirdo doing here? Who is he? And they're like, I don't know. He came out of the forest. I don't know. And the king's like, oh, thank you for coming. Could you please look at, see my child? And the, the medicine man says, sure, let me go see. And he walks in and the little baby is burning up with fever. Poisons, but no one knew that. Burning up with fever. And the king says, medicine man, can you, can you save my child? He says, I want everyone out of the room. I want to be left alone with your son. I'll do what I can. King says, okay, everyone out of the room. I don't care. Everyone out of the room. Me too. Yep, you too. Everyone out of the room. And the medicine man goes up to the little child who's burning up with fever. And he opens his bag and he starts mixing different things and medicines and zachen. And he comes out with a potion that's very, very, very bitter. And he's like, I don't know if I'm able to give this to the kid. It's so bitter. Maybe I'll put a drop of honey in it. Puts a drop of honey in it. He walks over to the child. He opens its mouth. He holds its nose closed so it has to swallow. And he puts this bitter vial of medicine. And the kid's like, spitting out half of it. And every half an hour, a whole night, a little bit more medicine, a little bit more medicine, a little bit more medicine. 
Finally in the morning, Nisan the flies, miracles. The fever breaks. And the little boy opens his eyes. And he opens the door, and of course, I can't even explain to you the happiness between the king and the queen. And he lets him in. And the king says, I'll pay you anything you want. How much does it cost? You save my child, I'll give you whatever you want. The old man said, I don't want money. I want a bed in your little baby, in your little boy's room in the corner. But if I ever want to sleep in the palace, I want to sleep in his room. Weird request. Very weird request. You don't want money? No. Nope. You don't have to build you a house? No. Nope. A bed. In the corner, in the dark, in the corner, or in the other corner of your child's room. And if I ever want to come sleep there, you have to let me sleep there. King said, fine. You see, girls, the medicine man knew from his science and his knowledge that somebody poisoned this child. Therefore, he decided he would sleep in the room with the child to protect him, but he didn't want the king to know. And the little boy grew up. And the old man started to teach him. Took him to the forest, taught him roots and bark and medicine and hunting and trapping and fishing. And he became like his teacher. And then one night when this boy was 14 years old, the old man was sleeping in the corner of the room when he heard the window open and two men slipped through the window. You see, this was the group of pirates that tried to poison him as a child were now kidnapping him. They slipped in the room and they put a bag over his head and something in his mouth that he couldn't talk. And before the old man could do anything, because he realized that if he screams, they'll slit the throat of the child, they'll kill him. So he couldn't do anything. They slipped down the window, down the rope, to a little boat that was waiting in the moat, the water. And the old man, who was, of course, the man of the woods, in the dark, he followed them. Slipped on the boat too. And then they went to a big boat and that big boat left the seaport. And the old man was on the boat, but they didn't know the pirates that he was on the boat. They decided that they got to get rid of this kid. They're going to take him to the West Indies and sell him, get some money. Sell him as a slave. Don't t- tell anyone he's a king. He's a prince. They're going to sell him as a slave. You can imagine that in the kingdom the next morning when they found that the child was kidnapped, the king and queen were broken. The country was broken. They come to the West Indies and they put this 14-year-old prince, not knowing it, no one knew it was a prince, the pirates, put him up for sale. And there's one guy standing there, very rich. 
who also had a 14-year-old son. He said, wow, that would be great. I'll buy this boy to be my son's friend. How much is it? He said, a thousand gulden. Wow, that's a lot of money for a kid. But you know what? He's 14. I'm going to buy my son a friend. And that's what he did. In chains, in handcuffs, the 14-year-old prince was sold to this master. But it backfired in a very big way. Because the master's son hated the prince. Because he was so jealous that his father bought another boy that he would have to share with. He hated him. And told his father, I don't ever want to play with this guy. I don't want him to even be in the, in the same palace as I am. You want to make me happy as your son? I want him to be a slave in the kitchen with all the other slaves. And his father said, whatever makes you happy, if that's what you want, so be it. I don't want him to have a bed, Tom. I want him to sleep on the floor. So be it. I don't want him to have shoes. So be it. Wherever you want. And this boy tortured. Tortured the prince. And for six years, from 14 to 20, the prince worked in this teeny little, hot, disgusting, dirty kitchen. And because he was there for so long, he forgot that he was a prince. And he became a slave. In his mind, in his body, he didn't take showers. He became a slave. But this 14-year-old friend that he had, that now is also 20, wasn't happy that he was being tortured. He wanted more. There was a woman, an older woman, that worked in the kitchen who was called Hilda the Horrible. She had one tooth. That's it. One tooth in her mouth. She wasn't anything to look at. She was smelled really bad. And he goes to his father and he says, Dad, we bought them. They're our slaves. I want you to make the boy that you bought, who was the prince, I want you to force him to marry Hilda the Horrible. That would make me happy to see him married to her. She belched. She cursed. She drank. She smoked. She stunk. Let's get them married. So the father walks into the kitchen and says, come over here, boy. Tomorrow night, we're going to have a wedding. You're getting married. Me? Me? I'm getting getting married? To to, to who? You have a nice girl for me? Oh, we have a nice girl for you. Really? Really? What's her name? Oh, you know her very well. She works in the kitchen. Really? In the kitchen? Yeah, tomorrow night you're marrying Hilda the Horrible. Oh, no, please. Not her. She curses. She stinks. She drinks. She smokes. 
She hasn't taken a shower in five years. She curses, no, please, please, please don't do anything. And the young boy says, no, dad, make him marry Hilda tomorrow night. And the father says, you're a slave. You don't, you don't have a choice. Tomorrow night, we'll make the wedding here in the kitchen. And then you'll have children and they'll be my slaves. Children with her? No way! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Shem, help us. Oh, yeah, 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 Shem, help us. So he goes to his room that night, the prince, who now is servant, a slave. And he sits on the floor where he slept. And he begins to cry. I can't believe I have to marry Hilda the Horrible. I can't live with her. For six years, girls, the old man who snuck upon the boat, the medicine man, was hidden in the corners of the castle. And now, he came out of the corner of the prince's room. And the prince was like, who are you, who are you, what do you want, what do you want, what do you want, who are you? He said, I knew you as a little boy, you don't, you don't remember me. Listen, let me tell you what's going on. And he tells him, he was a young child, he was poisoned, he was kidnapped, he was sold. And really, you're the prince of a great country. But this prince has been in the kitchen for six years. He didn't believe one word he said. He said, man, I know you want me to feel better because I'm marrying Hilda tomorrow night and, and you see that I'm crying, but don't lie to me. I'm not a prince. I'm a kitchen lowlife servant. I don't believe one word you're saying. And I'll leave me alone and get out of my room. And the old man's thinking like, he really forgot everything. Old man says, hold on. And he opens his bag and there's a little vial of medicine in the bag, girls. And he says to the young boy, you know, when you were a baby and you were dying, I gave you this medicine and it saved your life. Maybe if you taste it, you'll remember. And he's like, oh, so now you want to poison me, huh? But you know what, old man? I would rather die from poison than marry Hilda the Horrible. So bring it on. So the old medicine man takes his little vial and puts it in a little cup and says, here, taste it. And he he tastes it and he's like, oof, this is bitter. Bitter. This is very bitter. But I remember once upon a time, I also drank something like this. I even spit it out. Give me some more, give me some more, give me some more. Let me put a little honey in it. He took it again. He goes, 
one second. Second. I was, I was in a bed with four posts. There was an old man putting this in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You remember that was me. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. Just a little bit more. He says, hold on. With a huge bag with fluffy pillows and satin sheets. And a crown on the top of the bed. Who? Let me close my eyes. Let me think. One second. I see a man and a woman. They're very beautiful. and They're dressed up as a king and a queen. And they're, they're wearing crowns. Old man, who's that? told you you're a prince you're not a slave my god it's true I am a prince what can we do he said I have been waiting for this I have a rope we'll tie it to the post on the wall I have a little boat waiting for us Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here now. And the old man takes this 20-year-old boy and they slip down the wall and they get into the boat and they're on their way back to the land they came from. And he continually remembers his life as a prince. And they come to the country that they had left that was happy and shiny and gold and parties and music and they don't recognize it it's filthy it's full of webs garbage in the streets people are walking around depressed they don't recognize this country and the old man says is the king and queen still alive and they're like yeah where are they they're in the castle And he takes the young boy and he says, let's go, run. And they come to the castle. Amazing story. They come to the castle and sitting in the throne room is the king and the queen in dirty, dusty old clothing with a dusty old rusty crown with their heads broken and bent down from age and depression. And the prince says, Dad, Mom, it's me, your son. They don't even look up. You know how many kids in the last six years came to the castle and said they were the prince? They don't believe anyone anymore. And the old man says, King and Queen, You remember me? Oh, yeah, we remember you. You're the medicine man. We haven't seen you in a long time. He says, pick your heads up and look. It is your son. And the king picks his head out to look at the boy, and he says, oh, my God. You look exactly like your mother. Ma, it's him. Open up the shades. Open up the windows. Open up the doors. Tell everybody, the prince is back. 
Prince is back. This is one of the deepest Midrashim stories that you'll ever hear in your life. This is the story of Pesach. Aramavino had no children. And Hashem said, You will have a child. He will light up the world. From him will come the light of the world, Klai Yisrael. Okay. The child was born. Ram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. But then, the child was poisoned. He went to Mitzrayim and became on the level of the 49th level of Tumah to destroy the Jewish soul. Poisoned that would kill the Jewish nation. One more minute, one more level, never to leave Mitzrayim. The old man, the, the, the child in the story is Klai Yisrael. The medicine man in the story is Hashem. And Hashem said, child is very, 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 very sick. I'm going to give him a medicine called matzah. Matzah, according to the Zoya, is lechem de mamanisa, the bread of emuna. Emuna is the medicine to heal the disease of Mitzrayim. Just follow me. Kaisa said, where you go, we go. Where you live, we live. So he gave us this matzah and marar, Pesach night. And we got better. We got better. The pirates is the Satan. And he kidnapped us. They said, me just destroyed. Next place, they just destroyed. They kidnapped us and sold us for slaves. And all of us today are living in the kitchen. Married to Hilda the Horrible. Movies. Simulation. Off the derech. Chil Shabbos, atheism, and all the other terrible liberal things that are in the world. And we're so in Gullus girls for so long that we forgot who we are. We forgot that we are Badamatem Hashem. We are the princes and princesses. 
And the satan, who's never happy until we're finished, is like, and now, Klai Yisrael, you're going to marry Hilda. Never how many Jews marry out of Judaism. You'll be married to your technology, your movies, your non-Jewish music, the Western world, and all the liberalism, and all the materialism. And we have totally forgotten who we are. But once a year, the medicine man comes out of the corner in the dark and says on the night of Pesach, you are not slaves. Avadam Hayino, the power of the We were slaves. The Shana Abba Hashem says, you're not slaves. You're not marrying Hilda the Horrible. You don't live in a kitchen. You're B'nai Chayrin. You're my children. You're the prince and princess. And we're like, stories. Stories. I don't remember being a prince or a princess. Tell me stories. Shem says, really? I want you to eat matzah. Lechem the menusa. Girls, when you eat matzah, your neshama goes back to Mitzrayim. Mara goes back to Mitzrayim. And your neshama says, I know this taste. Hold on, let me close my eyes. Wow. So many people leaving Mitzrayim. Wow. With gold and silver and going to Harsinai, the whole scene by Fias Yamsov. Give me more, Matzah. Give me more, more, more. Oh my God, the Shema says, it's true. It's true. I'm not a slave. I'm not a servant. I'm a Jew. I'm free. I'm a prince. Wow. That's what happens when you eat matzah. I remember the medicine when I was very, very sick. I was on the 49th level of Tumma. We were dying. And Hashem said, eat this thing. Shmura, it's going to watch you. It's going to keep you away from something really bad happening. My prayer to all, with all of you and at the Seder will be just like the medicine man came out of the corner when it came to the point of in a day he's going to marry Hilda the Horrible. Because you got to come out of your corner. Take us back to the kingdom which today is broken. A broken wall in Yerushalayim with cracks and plants growing out of it. 
not the Beit Hamidash that we learn about, who never saw it, never saw anything beautiful in their life. Now it's broken. A world of depression, anxiety, depressed in a bad place. Medicine man, Hashem, bring us back to your kingdom. For we are your children. We are the prince and princess. And we remember that once upon a time, a long time ago, the beauty of Kleistro, the beauty of a nation going into a desert following God and trusting him, that wherever he's going to take us, it's going to be good. What a crazy story. What an amazing story. The matzah is the medicine. And the marah, it's a little bitter, reminds us of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And that's why it's the only mitzvah, on, the only time that we ever have to make believe like we are leaving Mitzrayim. My father-in-law's minute was to put a, a, a sack on his back and, and walk around the table. This is how he left Mitzrayim. So when you eat that matzah, close your eyes and say, Neshama, remember this? A long time ago. It was just a little different. <laughs> a little different. In a faraway place, but yeah, I remember the canopy. I remember the Leil Shimurim. I remember the clouds that Hashem covered and protected us with. I remember the Bear Mayim of Miriam's Bear Mayim that whenever we needed water, we had water. I remember the mud. Wow. I remember Moshe Rabbeinu. I remember the Makos. I remember the splitting of the Yamsuf. I remember standing by a Sinai. I am a prince. I am not. A slave in the kitchen. The Satan and the Western world and the left world and the liberal world wants us to believe that we're just a bunch of slaves to our anxieties and slaves to our addictions. We are not slaves. We are free. We are B'nai Chayrin. We are princes and princesses. And that's how you have to go into Pesach. And when you clean the Chametz away, have in mind that it's a representation of cleaning the Chametz in my heart and the Chametz in my soul. And when you wash down things, I'm washing the Chametz in my soul, in my heart, and I realize left alone, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the suffering. So I got to continue working, continue working, continue growing, continue working. That's why the matzah is never allowed to be left alone. From the minute the, the flower touches the water, you got to work it, you got to work it, you got to work it, you got to work it. Maybe all these come back to the king, come back to the kingdom the way it used to be. And that this year, instead of opening the door and Eliyahu walking in and not being able to see him, our doors should all be open in Yerushalayim and in Eretz Yisrael 
and we shouldn't only see Elio Anavi, we should see Mashiach Tzadkenu. Thank you for listening, girls. Have a good night and thanks. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.